I would say the last year of my life and what's been really crucial in me moving forward is boundaries. So the people that I feel I'm exerting more energy than it's not an even exchange or they deplete my energy or I feel negative when I'm done. Like I've just had to feel very comfortable putting up a boundary and not worry about their interpretation of that boundary or how that boundary makes them feel. It's not for me, the boundary is not about keeping people out, but it's about protecting what's in. And that has been my huge learning experience, I would say, over the past year. Hey guys, welcome to the Power and Persistence podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Blois, business owner, mentor, self-care advocate, manifester, wife, and mama of two. This podcast is designed to make you feel seen and inspired. Join me for honest and raw conversations with successful women and purpose-driven entrepreneurs. We'll explore how they imperfectly but persistently juggle career, family, and relationships, all while honoring their authentic selves. Let's dive in. Hey guys, I'm so excited to come on and let you know that I have created a free journal template for you. Badasses build boundaries. Boundaries have been essential to me in my healing journey, and I know they can do the same for you. It's when we say no to the things that don't serve us that we're really able to be true to who we authentically are and who we are looking to become. So go into the show notes or go to my website, jessieblois.com to find the link and download your copy today. Hi, Hannah. Hi. I'm so happy to have Hannah Boak here with us. Hannah is the owner of Cued Creative, but how she got to this current company is a great story. It's not the field you started in. Um, Hannah, I'm so excited you're here because I know we're going to talk about really good stuff about our journeys and spirituality and energy. But first, can you just kind of go through... Um, how you got started and what career you started in and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So it's not a super quick story, but, um, (laughs) back up to high school, right. And um, in high school, I, this awareness did not come until last year. Why it took me so long to land in my careers, but I'll tell the story with the new awareness. Okay. So when I was younger, the way I, sought out love and attention from my parents was through success. So whether it was sports or academics Mm -hmm. or whatnot, right? That's how I got attention in our family. And so I went off to college. I went to NYU. So it was a good school. And I decided to study politics because I was going to be pre-law because my, I thought my dad would love me if I went off to be a successful lawyer. So I was a lawyer. No, 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 no. My dad never went to college, but I was, my older brother didn't go to college. My dad never went to college. So I was the first one to go to college and I got into this great school. And so I started down this path from a young age Mm -hmm. to seek approval and love from my parents. I love that you even, I know it took time and we can go through how you got to that awareness, but like knowing that is so big. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I toyed around in college of like, should I go become a dance major? What I wanted to be was you were a, a dancer. Actor. I was. And, 
and there's a story about that too, because I'm going to get back into dance. Um, but oh, awesome. you know, what, it, what my heart wanted to be is like, I wanted to work for a magazine. I loved fashion. I loved art. I love graphic design, but that wasn't a career worth accolades in my mind to get my parents love. So I go to college, I work in politics. I even take a job with a politician who I'm not going to name, who's pretty notorious. And at the same time I had gotten a job offer. Um, and these were like really high level paid internships, um, at an entertainment law firm. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to do law, like entertainment law, it was Britney Spears's law firm. I mean, it was like the cool place to get, to get yeah. a job and I got it. Well, the next week I get the call from the politician's office, like big, very well-known politician. I got that job offer. I had to leave the entertainment law firm to go work for the politician because it's what everybody told me to do. So I made a bunch of decisions based on what I thought I needed to do and how I needed to show up to feel love. Yeah. So fast forward, I finished school. I get a job in Seattle. I leave New York and move to Seattle and I'm totally miserable. I'm starting new. It's a very unfriendly city. I'm having a hard time making friends. And um, I am kind of faced with a big life decision. And in this life decision, I choose a relationship over quitting my job, going to travel the world, taking risks. I choose this relationship. And it's interesting because I recently learned by choosing this relationship with a person who had a lot of extreme wealth that I was actually manifesting the wealth that I desire today. I just manifested it through somebody else. So I've learned that you can actually manifest wealth through other people. Um, And by learning that, it makes me more aware that I can call that back into my life. But anyway, so I choose this relationship and I kind of spend my twenties in limbo, um, really totally governed by the fear of failure. So I don't want to go do anything. I don't want to climb a corporate ladder. I don't want to apply to law school. I'm afraid to do anything because what if I do it and I'm not good enough? And I so fail. where were you with the politician at this point? You had left that job. So I left that. So I graduated, took a job in Seattle for a, <laughs> for a company. Okay. So you're working. Um, yeah. But so I leave that job because I'm miserable and I end up in this relationship and I basically spend my twenties bouncing around. I went back to art school um, to become an interior designer. I did that for a while. I worked at a modeling agency. I, you know, everything kind of in this art world, a little bit like in the marketing. And so I started kind of honing these skills around that, but strictly governed by the fear of failure. Then the recession hits in 08 and my interior design business is no longer viable. You have like a interior design business. Yeah. So I'm doing like residential, um, mostly vacation homes. Seattle is booming at the time I was doing well. And, um, so I leave this relationship and my interior design business. And I leave Seattle and I moved to Portland and I'm living in Portland and I'm like lost. I'm 29 and I'm what called you to Portland. That's where I grew up. So I, I went back, my sister and I moved in together and I, I don't, I just don't know what I want to do. And I literally type into Google. So I get this job. Sorry. I get this job at this corporation and I'm like, this is absolutely miserable. I am not going to do this. This is, this is like going to be the death of me. Were you practicing law? No, it was in the like interior design field. Uh, I ran a showroom for like, but for a big corporate company and I'm sitting at my desk one day and I type into Google careers in demand that are recession proof. 
and speech therapy shows up. I'm like, what on earth is speech therapy? Like I had a friend with a lisp once, you know, is that what it is? That's uh, so right field from art, from law. I mean, I but mind you, like I'm a very logical person and I'm a very type A person. So I have artistic tendencies and I, I credit my success in this sort of artistic world because I'm a logical type A person. So when you marry those two, I don't get yeah. lost in the process, right? I always yeah. drive forward. But um, so I go down to Portland State because that's the local school and they have a post back program. So I have to do a whole year of school just to be able to apply to graduate school. Yeah. This is when I first discover manif- manifestation. So I have to study. So I go, I use all my vacation time and sick time. And I like work with my boss to rearrange my schedule. And I put myself through a year of post back work. In the middle of this, I am having to study for the GRE, which is a pretty intense test, especially when you've been out of school for a decade. And I write a score on a whiteboard in my apartment. And I'm like, that's the score I'm going to get. Cause it's going to open the doors for me to the schools I want to get into. And I go take the GRE and I get that score to the number, the exact oh number. Um, and, and, it was, and I was reading that creative visualizations book at the time, because I also called in like tickets to Oprah. Cause it was Oprah's last season. Like all these, like I was, I was calling things in like very quickly. And it was my, while reading this book, I'd never even heard of this. I didn't know that book. What's the book? I think it's called creative visualizations. There's like a workbook and a book. Um, so I go after grad school and, um, everybody in my family is really proud of me. So I'm still like getting love because I'm doing something good. So everybody's really proud of me. Oh my gosh, you're going to do it. You're going to follow through. You're finally going to make something of yourself. You're really worth it. I mean, it was like, that's what I, the messages I was hearing. Now, is that what they were saying to me? I don't know. But what I heard was you're finally doing something with your life rather than like. This is very older child, oldest child energy, but you're not. But my brother was so much older and had oh. left the house pretty young. So I was more the older child. Okay. Cause I'm like, this sounds very similar to my path of like, I must follow this road to be loved. I can yeah. very much relate. Got it. So I moved to Chicago. I go to graduate school and I have to say it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. It was so challenging. It was, school had always been so easy. Like I didn't have to study. I got good grades. Like school, I, school came naturally to me. This was so hard. I mean, it really pushed me to my limits. And I, so I finished graduate school. I, you know, think I'm going to go make all this money and <laughs> there's no money in speech therapy. There's a ceiling. <laughs> um, yeah. So a couple years after I finished school, I, had my daughter and I, at this time now I'm living in San Diego. I move a lot. Um, that's because in a past life, apparently I was like a wanderer. Really? And, a and so I, I need to figure that out about myself. Cause I think since my husband and I've been together, we've lived in 10 or 11. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also have been very good at like, if there's a problem, like I'll run. Um, oh. and so moving has always helped with that. And, and that's something I've, I've overcome in the last few years, but yeah. So I, I have my daughter, I moved back to Portland and I'm working as a speech therapist and where are you working? 
a school I was or an early in early childhood education for an ESD. Okay. Um, so I'm a single mom. I have an 18 month old. I'm paying like $1,800 a month for a one bedroom apartment in Portland. My bed is in the living room. So I've turned the living room into a studio. I put my daughter in the bedroom and hustling. I mean, just working, 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 just trying to pay the bills with a baby. And I mean, I breastfed till she was 29 months old. So she didn't have overnights with her dad yet. He was, he was around, he followed us to Portland. Um, but yeah, it was a lot. And there was just this day I was standing in my living room and I was looking around and I was like, this is, this isn't it. Like this cannot be it. And I have to stop looking for a man or a partner to come to rescue me. Yeah. That's what I kept waiting. I was like, I'm going to find a boyfriend. And I became like, you know, I'd meet a guy, I'd start dating. I'd become, we got to fast forward this as fast track. So I can breathe because of the financial pressure and the pressure of doing this alone. And I'm standing there and I'm literally, I'm holding a glass of wine and I look around my apartment and I look at the glass of wine and I think to myself, this isn't serving me. And so I set that down and I look like, this is not my life. This is, I'm not doing this. And no kidding. The next day I went to Ikea, I bought the cheapest desk, which is like $25 when you buy the white tabletop and the four screw in legs. I put it in a little corner at the end of my bed. I got a bulletin board. I, my sister came over, we pinned up all the pictures of the life we wanted. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. And I I have no idea what it is, but every day we'll do something until I figure out what it is I'm going to do. And I would go to coffee shops and I would write, I was like, I'm going to write a blog. No, I'm going to teach myself to code. I'm going to, you know, I just, and, and as I put myself out there, the universe started funneling me into the journey to where I am today, which is running a really successful creative agency. How long was that process? That was in like late 2015. Okay. And I got sidetracked along the way. Um, so after I did that opportunities to build websites and things started coming my way and, um, I moved into a two bedroom apartment. So I got my own bedroom and, um, then there was an opportunity to leave Portland and move to Kansas city. And at this time I was exchanging services with a life coach. So I was doing her website and stuff oh, okay. and coaching me and, there's a lot of stuff I still draw on from that. That was like kind of my first experience of seeking help. That wasn't talk therapy. Like I didn't know that help existed. That wasn't talk therapy. Right. And that, yes, we'll go down that path, but how did you know I need something different than talk therapy? How did you like dive into that world? So talk therapy never worked for me. And I mean, I'm going to be honest. I thought life coaching was just I thought it was bogus. I'm like, well, it's life. Yeah. What is it? Not even woo. Like it was kind of before woo was a thing. It was just okay. like, who you just, you, you know, enough about life to tell me what to do. Like how, mm-hmm. how is that a thing? And I, I met this musician who my sister knew and he kind of wanted a website cause he was a musician. And then he's like, and then there was another guy standing there and he's like, I know somebody who needs your services. This old man, okay. he's like, I'm going to connect you with this woman. And so kind of serendipitously we connected and she was like, I can't afford to pay you for your website. So what if we trade services? I'm like, well, this can't hurt. I need work for my portfolio. And this sounds like it's going to work. 
Um, and so one of the things that she coached me to do during that process was to call in what you want. Um, is I had a whiteboard in my apartment and I wrote down on one side of it. So this was, this was transitioning to my move to Kansas city, but it, I'm living paycheck to paycheck and moving's really expensive and finding a home and just kind of that whole thing, you know, Especially it's moving across the country. Yeah. It's a lot to uproot and uproot and do that. Not only is I'm leaving my support system. I left my family behind. I was leaving my daughter's dad behind. He actually followed us and came to Kansas city. So, um, that was good, but you know, I mean, I was going, this was one of the biggest risks I had taken with what was in Kansas city that you were being pulled towards. Was it a job? Yeah. So my best friend lived here and okay. she had connected me with somebody and it was a potential business opportunity that, um, it didn't pan out the way I had wanted it to in that moment, but it worked out just the way it was supposed to, you know, in the long run. Um, had you ever been to Kansas before since your best friend was there? Yeah. I'd done a couple girls weekends, but I, nothing made me like, I didn't fall in love with this city the way I like fell in love with San Francisco when I would go there, you know, I mean, it's, it's a hidden gem of a city, but you know, it was the opportunity. It was the opportunity to take a risk and bet on myself that mm-hmm. I could do something. And I wrote on the whiteboard what I was going to take care of on one side and on the other side what the universe would provide to me. I'm going to do that. I love that. It works because if you hold up your end of the bargain, the universe will deliver their end of the bargain. Okay. I'm really into this. I'm going to do this. But here's where I get stuck is how quickly it comes in. So what was the timeline between you putting in your work and allowing the universe to do what it's meant to do? Most of the thing, everything came when I needed it. Yes, that I believe. That I believe, but for me, that's like something I can like look back at at hindsight and be like, oh, I get it now. But when I'm in that process, I feel like the angst for things to start showing up so I know that it's working and then that angst creates blocks right so then you're kind of working against yourself in the universe so I do believe though it does show up when it's meant to but what was the timeline and then what did you do for yourself as you trusted the process to stay in that belief and that faith okay so some of the things showed up when they were supposed to, as in like, I wasn't ready for the relationship I put on the board until I got it. But the other stuff, like the money showed up when it was time to pay for the moving truck. So like things literally showed up when I needed them. So on one side, I, I had the board forever and I erased it and it's, it's um, sitting in my office at home, but one side had like $5,000, the universe was going to figure out how to give me $5,000 because that's what I calculated the move. And on the other side, it was like, pack the apartment, you know, sell my furniture or, you know, sell things, go find a house. So it was like the, the logical steps I needed to take. And yeah. the other things were, um, a spot in a preschool, um, the $5,000, one of the things there, this is so off topic, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, but there was a man who I had been introduced to via like images, like pictures of him and like saying he was a great person and he was single and he lived in Kansas. And I wrote his name on the universe side and I did end up in a relationship with him. It did not go well at all, but the universe to give me what I asked for. 
<laughs> and taught you the lesson of like, let us pick those people to put yeah. in your life. <laughs> but I'll never forget like pulling that board out. And there was his name on the universe's side because it lived under my bed in my house in Kansas for a long time. So wild. I never get sick of hearing about manifestation stories, no matter how many I experience or hear other people and their experiences, like it never is not incredible. It's, it's interesting. And I, you know, okay. So the GRE score and like the tickets to Oprah and the thing was, is that back then you couldn't get tickets to Oprah. And I had three, I got in three times and had three dates to choose from. So I went three times. So there's people that didn't win in like the two decades she was on the air. I just decided I, at that time, I just believed mm-hmm. that it would just happen. Like I just had complete surrender. There was no angst. It was just that's an assumption that it would happen. The key. That's such, it's such the key. I, when I am fully surrendered, it comes getting mm-hmm. to that complete surrender. That's where I am challenged. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm working on, but it's true. I just shared a story about, um, manifesting a, my the car I have now we, that, yeah. we didn't have the money it's not like we just had this disposable bank account where I could go buy a car wherever like that wasn't the case at all but I was just in this state of like oh we're buying a car like I know it I feel it and I've had that happen a good handful of times with different parts of my life where it's just like it's just this inner knowing mm-hmm. and then it just it just manifests it just happens my favorite. I mean, I have a habit with money. Like I get checks in the mail and I'll be like, one day, I, I mean, I was just, I'm abundant. I'm worthy of, you know, yeah. da, da, da. and I open the mail and there's a check for like $600 from like some class action lawsuit. I didn't know I was a part of, you know, or I mean, it's just money is always coming to me in these little, little bits as a reminder um, that you're being supported. Yeah, it is. It's the, it's the surrender yeah. to the outcome. And that's why you'll hear people say that the more money you have, the more money you get, because the less attached you are to it. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I'm calling in this year is like my forever home with my daughter. She's eight. I forget what we counted, but she's lived in like something like 15 houses between her dad and myself. And Mm -hmm. she's lived in San Diego, Portland, and then three houses between Kansas and Missouri, just with me. Um, and I decided instead of, I, I spent all of last year just waiting for this to work out for me to buy my forever home. And so I didn't settle into my house. I didn't hang stuff on the walls. I didn't put mm-hmm. it, I didn't put a couch in the playroom that no, I'm going to, I'm going to settle into this house. And so now I've hung stuff on the walls. I bought a couch for the playroom. We settled into it and we live in it. And now I feel at peace Yeah. rather than the, that, like the grip mm-hmm. of like, come on universe, where's my house? Yep. Um, now it's really coming. Do you feel, so this is something that shows up in my life a lot. When I'm trying to call something in, I get tested. I feel like I need to work through these tests to show that I'm really in this new state of mind or worthiness to then let what I'm calling in come. So um, if for money, like if I'm calling in money, because I want to, like right now I'm trying to call in something that costs money and I need to bring in that money. So I have felt like I'm losing money. Like you just saw me before we um, started recording an email come in 
about something to do with a client and an insurance company. The insurance company was supposed to release me from my contract and in true insurance company fashion, they ignored my initial paperwork. So now that client's telling me I need to pay them because they billed me as in-network. And it's like, okay, well, that's totally not what I'm doing. And now I'm at a loss for treating, but like, I'm going to go with it and allow it. And I'm not going to spiral like I would have, but I feel like these tests show up before the manifestation can come through. Do you experience those? So I'm going to disagree with you on this. Okay. Um, I think it's, I think for you, it's a matter of perspective and language. So, oh, I'm, I'm excited to hear what you're going to say. Um, one of the things I heard you say when you were talking was I'm calling in something that costs money and I need, Mm -hmm. right. So the second we need something, we've removed our power from it. Okay. Instead of desiring money. Right. And desire is better than want because want also insinuates lack. So these tests perhaps are something that you are actually calling in because of the need, because of the language, the need and the assumption that the tests come. So I don't experience tests when I'm calling in something. I experience opportunities to integrate lessons. And that's the way I kind of look at it. Right. Like I, so one of the things I'm calling in is a, is a home and I had an opportunity to go look at a house nearby that I could buy and turn into a rental and, and, you know, do this thing with, and it simply wasn't even a test for me. I walked in, it didn't feel right. And I walked out instead of going, thinking this is a test. And it's like, then I go and I talk to the broker and it, you know, and I move the needle forward on it. I just, it just washed right through me. Um, I have a dear friend who if you are a negative person might say she has bad luck, but if you ask her if she has bad luck, she just says she has continue, like continued opportunities for growth. The universe is always giving her a way to grow, to continue to expand so she can call in all that she wants. So, so I, I think tests are more like shadow, like the, and you, you do some of the Lacey Phillips stuff, but like, and, and this is my interpretation. Well, Lacey Phillips talks about the test. So when I have these things, like in my mind, like it's a test and she talks about tests appearing before and I see it, but then I feel like these tests just present, like, I feel like they present in full force. I'm not going to lie for me. And it's just a matter of like holding my peace and letting them kind of flow through me instead of really getting out of sorts. But I mean, I'm super into hearing your perspective on them. Yeah. Because for me, the test would be like, I know this home that I want and I know what, or that I'm calling in. And I know that the backyard is going to accommodate the chicken coop that, that my daughter is, you know, praise on and, and ask the universe for. So for me, the test would be if I went and looked at a home and it was in an area where you couldn't have chickens or the backyard was really small, or, you know, it didn't have the things that I desired in my house. The test for me in that case would be to walk away from this rather than be presented with something negative. It's just an opportunity to have faith that what you're calling in is coming. Okay. I think we're actually speaking really similarly because I see it that way too. It's like, it has everything on your checklist except for one thing. So you're like, well, this is as close as I'm going to get. So I'm going to just get this house instead of being like, nope, this isn't it. I'm walking away. This, like that email for me, it's similar. It's like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh my God, I lost more money. 
I'm going to gracefully pay it and give it to this person who is, you know, submitting super bills to acquire money and be like, I'm happy to pay this back instead of thinking like the part that upsets me is the insurance company not processing paperwork correctly, but like the paying the money or sending that money to someone else, like that part I'm at peace with. And I'm like, that's fine. That's where that money is supposed to go. It's an energy exchange. It's not how I intended it to be, but like, that's fine. Where the old me would be like, shit, like we can't keep losing money from our bank account. Like this is really stressful. This test to me is like, I believe there's more money coming to me. And if this money has to go out, that's fine. The only part that really pisses me off is the insurance company. And that's a whole other conversation. We could probably debate it all day long, but I think the expectation of tests calls them in as opposed to Mm -hmm. like being presented with things and having, and having faith that, that your true desire is coming your way. It's sort of like choosing, you know, I'm single. So it would be like me going out on a date and deciding to make this guy my boyfriend, even though there's like these fundamental things that aren't there, but everything else is pretty good. It's like that. So anyways, I don't like the idea of calling in tests because I don't like to call in negativity. Yeah. The negativity. That part I can see. Cause now I'm in the state of my process where I'm expecting the test so I can work through them. And I, you know, it's a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, oh shit, I'm calling in the test. Like, let's move through the test. Mm-hmm. Let's move past that and stop expecting them. No, I, I'm into it. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So the tangent. So let's get back. Um, well, the other thing I was thinking, like, why why was I so successful at manifesting when I lived in Portland? And this is in 20. 17 or 2018. I can't remember. I think it might've been 2018 is when I moved to Kansas. Um, and here's another reason I, at that period of time, have no idea why given like the circumstances and, and life being hard had was filled with joy. I had so much joy. I, I was dating this guy. He said to me, you're the most positive and optimistic person I've ever met, which was shocking to me because that is not where I hadn't been that way always. Mm-hmm. Uh, but joy, joy brings the energy of abundance and what you're calling in. The last 2020 and 2021, I was about the angriest person on the planet and nothing I wanted to call, you know, it was like, why do you think you were so naturally enjoyed during that time? Was it like having your family around you? Was it being in your hometown? I just had a faith that everything was going to work out. It was the first time I had had faith that things were going to happen, that things were going to work out, that there were opportunities and that I was in control. That's when I started to understand that I'm the architect of my life. And that's when I started to get in the driver's seat and taking this risk to move to Kansas and having the blessing of my family to do it. And and when I got here, that started a dark period of my life a pretty dark period after I got here. Um, I was heavily in or was it just the change in circumstances and environment? Um, I was, I was heavily influenced by some people whose energy and lifestyle and they, it didn't go well for me. And I fell back into patterns of looking for somewhere to belong and wanting, you know, compromising myself in some pretty big ways. And I don't know why it was just part of, it was just what I needed to go through that time. Um, but things got really, really, really hard. I mean, 
I found myself in tons of debt. I mean, things just, I lost my house during COVID. I had to move to a new house. It had mold. I mean, it just spiraled for years until Christmas of, and, and my business was doing well because again, I'm a logical person, so I can override everything. Um, and I'm learning that I can override with logic and grow to success to a limit. And until that's when the faith and the manifestation and the feminine energy has to take over to bring in the rest. And so I'm kind of, I've kind of hit my limit of logic. Like my business is stuck here until I go to the next phase of now calling in and, and moving through energy. But, um, it was right around Christmas of 2021. So the, about a, a little over a year ago that I decided I couldn't live like this anymore. I was so angry. I was, you know, struggling health wise. I just everything. And so I spent all of last year, hundred percent of last year, healing childhood trauma, healing. I didn't even know why I was the way I was. I didn't even know. I didn't know that you could grow up and have had traumatic experiences in that existed simply because your parents just couldn't give you what you needed. Not because they were abusive mm-hmm. or horrible people mm-hmm. or neglectful or, you know, they're or an alcoholic. I didn't have that. I just had parents that had limited skills with too much on their plate. And I suffered as a result as a really sensitive child and mm-hmm. It, what a freedom to know that it was okay to have had problems. <laughs> um, and that's why I was who I was as an adult. Um, so I spent all of last year in really intensive therapy called RTT. It's rapid, tra- rapid transformation therapy, where you interact with your childhood self and sort of reparent, but you don't re-experience the trauma and pain. It's pretty different than talk therapy. Cause again, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I don't like talk therapy. I don't want to sit and cry for like two hours. Mm-hmm. I yep. want to heal. Yep. Um, so that coupled with getting my hormones balanced and, and clearing up my brain fog and stuff like that over last year was pretty intense and lots of opportunities to integrate <laughs> these, what I've learned. Cause you might go, Oh, I'm healed now. Like, I know it's okay. If somebody doesn't like me, you know, yeah. That doesn't bother me. I did the healing session and then you're faced with somebody not liking you and you have to decide if it really matters yeah. and seeing evidence that I have actually overcome a lot of this. And I started this year. So last year I did that. I took care of my daughter and I worked on my mental health. This year is the first time I'm actually taking care of myself. Like real self-love is coming into play. So what does that mean? So we've decided I've got a couple more sessions of RTT I'm going to do. I lost my brother in a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago. And so I'm going to do a couple around healing with that. But this year is all about looking forward. So I think I was telling you yesterday, that's why I'm working with the, the woman who works kind of as an energy healer um, because we're looking forward. What are my goals? What blocks am I releasing to call in this next chapter? I am taking control of my health in a new way. So exercising, like actually like moving my body. I became very sedentary Mm -hmm. (laughs) the last few years, um, going, you know, in the sauna massage, spending time with friends, spending time with what we call plus people. So, um, I don't know if you have ever thought through your own life, how there are 
negative, neutral, and plus people. And I was working with this life coach last year. I also had a life coach last year. And um, I made a list of uh, plus people, neutral people, and negative people, and mm-hmm. just actively started pursuing friendships with the plus people. Do you when feel I, like when you allowed yourself to really pour into that, more plus people showed up in your life? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I never it, heard those terms or made that list, but like it very quickly just organized in my brain who's in what category. Yeah. <laughs> because think about it, your energy is finite in so many ways. Like, and 100%. so if we want to, I don't want to go lower my vibration with somebody who's gossipy or negative or doesn't align with me mm-hmm. and, you know, my values. I can have different opinions, mm-hmm. but that doesn't do anything for me. I come home, I'm depleted. I, I don't, I feel angsty. Um, but through a fear of rejection mm-hmm. and failure and things like that, it was hard for me to pursue friendships because I'm, I'm still new to this city and making friends is still new. I, you know, COVID was weird. Like, I think I had a couple of friends going into COVID cause I was still fairly new. And then a lot of those friendships kind of fell off, which yeah, was fine. really hard to be in a new city during that time. Yeah. I, so I don't call it negative neutral and plus, but I would say the last year of my life and what's been really crucial in me moving forward is I just boundaries. So the people that I feel I'm exerting more energy than like it's not an it's not an even exchange or they deplete my energy or I feel negative when I'm done. Like I've just had to feel very comfortable putting up a boundary and not worry about their interpretation of that boundary or how that boundary makes them feel. It's not for me, the boundary is not about keeping people out, but it's about protecting what's in. And that has been my huge learning experience, I would say, over the past year. Yeah, boundaries is like I feel like that's like that every time about boundaries is a hot topic. Oh, really? Like, well, you hear about it a lot, like have boundaries or these boundaries are so hard. So hard. So and like so have boundaries. Hard. Like, what does that mean? Like, what are you protecting? Where does that boundary like? How do you know where to put that boundary? When do you allow that person a little bit of you? Like, boundaries are very complicated. How do you know if does this boundary impact other members of my my immediate family? Like mm-hmm. Boundaries are really hard and really tricky, but they're really important. They are, but they're so multi-layered, right? Because I I had to create boundaries with my relationship with my family members. But in order to do that, I had to trust that like I was worthy of unconditional love and worthy of support. And that they're when they were upset if I put up a boundary, that it was a reflection of them and not me. So the boundary came only after of this huge layer upon layer of like healing and working through that and then setting the boundary and then having to then learn self-forgiveness because I'm going to, then I'm going to move the boundary, you know, or I'm going to, I'm not going to stay true to it in the beginning. I mean, it's like, you have to have boundaries, like boundaries. These are the hardest things that you can have. They're so hard. And I set a boundary with a family member, not because I never wanted to have that person in my life anymore, but I needed to process childhood stuff and I needed some space in order to really work through it. And it wasn't even about how that boundary impacted me and that family member. My entire family was angry at me for instilling this boundary, but I I kept it. I kept it till I was ready to let it down. And now I don't need that same boundary, but I've worked through so much stuff, but this boundary made 
a handful of my close family members stop talking to me. Because other people don't always have to understand them. And right. it's not my job to explain to you why I'm going to set this boundary. Right. Also for me, boundaries aren't always about keeping you out. Yeah. They're about keeping me yeah. in. A thousand I, percent. Yeah. I have such a tendency to caretake. Like I want to take care of everybody. I want to take care of my family, my friends, everybody. And, and to the detriment of myself, mm-hmm. to the detriment of myself financially, to, you know, my health, whatever it is. So my boundaries are about keeping my energy localized, taking care of myself and taking care of grace. Those are my priorities. And everybody else is there for love and relationships. And I will show up in acts of service when it doesn't deplete me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But being able to do that, that takes a lot of work. Yeah. Took a whole year and I'm still working on it. The choice all the time. And it's hard and it's sad. And you don't want to make other people upset because they don't understand. But like you said, like, it's not my job to make you understand. It's my job to protect and honor my energy because my energy impacts my children and my husband and my household. And that is the most important thing that I will, I will do what I need to do to keep that safe and energetically in a positive realm. And yeah, it's, it's a daily challenge to uphold boundaries that you need, but I think without them, we can do all this other work. And if we're letting people penetrate through our boundaries or situations penetrate through our boundaries, then that work isn't going to have its full effect. Does that? Yeah. I think when you're talking about this, what comes to me is that it's all rooted in Mm self-worth, right? If we believe we're worthy of taking care of ourselves, if we're worthy of self-love, if we're worthy of love from others without having to make it transactional or or seeking that approval, then the boundaries are easier to keep because the self-worth is there. Yeah. But if you struggle with feeling worthy of these things, then you're acting in ways that are, you're looking for validation or approval or love or acceptance outside of you because you don't feel it's just innately part of your worth. Mm-hmm. Then you cross those boundaries. And that goes straight to, to calling something in <clears throat> manifestation. It's rooted in worth. So you see people who are like, I'm calling in a million dollars. I'm calling it in, but they don't feel worthy of yeah. that level of abundance. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's me. It's the self-worth and I can relate to what you were saying about your childhood. I was, I, what I am the oldest, I got the grades. I went straight from high school to college, college to grad school. Three months after grad school, I got married. And then I had a baby a few years later. Like I have stayed on that path. My sister, I mean, I think she has it figured out. She was like, fuck that. I'm going to try this. I don't like that. I'm going to try this. I don't like it. I'm going to keep following my path. I'm going to go Bernie man for seven years in a row. Like I'm going to do me. And she's, she's had boundaries since she came out of the womb. Um, And I felt like if I wasn't meeting those expectations, I wasn't worthy. And now as an adult trying to find self-worth when you were never taught it as a child or you never integrated it, holy shit, mm-hmm. right? Like, so if I can set boundaries and talk about mindset and worthiness to my kids now, and they can become adults that understand that and have that integrated, then like I did my job as a mom. Yeah. Let me tell you what we like to say in our family. Oh, 
I'm going to like this. And this, I, this comes from the woman who started, I'll think of the name in a minute. Um, I matter. I'm significant. I'm lovable. I'm enough. I love it. It makes me emotional that I am enough is so important because I just so much of my childhood was like, I didn't do well enough in the sporting activity. I didn't have enough friends. I wasn't thin enough. I wasn't this enough. I wasn't that enough. It was always, I felt, and I'm not, like you said, like, I don't know. These are just my memories, but I felt like I was always in comparison to the better soccer player or the thinner kid my age or the person with better grades. It wasn't about me. It wasn't me in comparison to others. And undoing that now, it's a, it's, it, thank God I'm on that path, but it's, it's, it's an everyday choice. It is a hundred percent. Um, so the woman who that, that comes from, it started RTT and, um, how I did you find out about RTT? I've never heard oh, of it. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I, that's actually a really significant part of my manifesting story. I did this. So the, the guy I work with now does, um, a variation of it, but I worked with this woman where she hypnotized me, took me back to a moment where I basically was like, I'm, I'm enough. I, I think the interaction was with my father. Then you listen to the recording. I listened to it over and over and over, especially when I like was falling asleep and sleeping. And that was at that, that period of time I did that. And that's when my whole life changed very rapidly after that. Um, so go to rtt.com. Is this, um, when you were back in Portland? Yeah. But now I work with a doctor named uh, Patrick Wanis and he, his is a slightly different variation of a, a form of this type of rapid transformational therapy. Um, that's really, really intensive. So one session's like equates like years of talk therapy. I mean, the healing is very deep. Do you do it online? I do it. You do it over the phone. And, um, then the, you listen to the recording afterwards and it's like going through another therapy session. Um, but so I was listening, I was listening to this podcast and, and it's kind of that thing of like, I'm enough, I'm lovable, all of this. She talks about how, um, if you have a sad thought, mm-hmm. your eyes tear up, mm-hmm. if you have a sexual thought, your body becomes aroused. Mm-hmm. You have an angry thought, your heart rate elevates our bodies follow our thoughts. Mm-hmm. So if you can believe that you're worthy, if you can believe that you're enough, your body follows suit. And the, one of the ways you believe it is simple repetition Mm -hmm. and having those, those thought pattern interrupters. You know, I was just in Florida in a swimsuit and, and, oh my gosh, you know, oh, I'm so fat. Nope. I'm enough. Yep. What is the one simple sentence? How do you stop that, that thought pattern? And actually I didn't even think that for the first time in my entire life, I was at a swimming pool in swimsuits and I didn't think one bad thing about my body. I've never had that. I'm 42. No, it's amazing. And yeah, I mean, not without her. That's amazing. Yeah. And what a great model for your daughter. Cause I know you wouldn't say it out loud, but like we, people feel energy, whether you're into energy work or not, like you walk into a room, you vibe with someone, you don't, the energy is great. The energy sense, like we all feel energy. And our daughters can, they can pick up on it energetically, subconsciously. 
Yeah. I've never had that. I, um, and, and I noticed something in hindsight that as there, I was noticing or seeing other women around the pool and all shapes and sizes of bodies and, you know, like ages, whatever I was, I didn't have judgmental thoughts because I was acceptance of accepting of myself. I was not judging others because my judgment of others is only a reflection of myself. Yeah, right? it's only, for me, it's a, only a comparison. Yeah. It was a very interesting experience. And I didn't realize it in the moment. I mean, I bought, I've had one swimsuit for five years. It's a one piece. I feel good in it. It's the only one I wear. I bought two swimsuits, one of them bright red. I walked for an hour and a half up and down the beach in it. I just didn't care. Like I just felt okay being me. I'm enough, but oh my gosh, it was a lot of work over yeah. this last year, dedicated, focused work to feel that way. Mm-hmm. I believe it, I'm sure there will be a day I, I will put this same swimsuit on and oh, this, you know, I don't like this or that, but I can't, I mean, it was pretty remarkable to feel that sense of accomplishment that like the, the effort I put in is, is changing my life. And it's changed my daughter's life. She is a different kid than she was a year ago because I show up differently. Everybody in my life is different. My mom is calmer. My relationship with my sister is better. My relationship with my daughter's dad is better because I'm showing up in a better way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it gives me chills because I know firsthand how true that is. I know like you really mean that and you really see it. And I know how much work you've done to get there because that has been and is my path too. Um, so I love talking to you about this and I just know to get as far as you've been able to get you've put a shit ton of work. You do. And, and I, what I don't want is, is anybody to ever feel discouraged to say no. like, I feel so no. crappy today. It's going to be a lot of work to feel better. Like I'm not even, I'm not done. I, I'm not done till the day I leave my it's physical. Never over. You're never like, Oh, I'm, I'm perfect. You don't arrive. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. No, it's, it's forever work, but it's the most, I'm not going to say there aren't like really hard times. Cause like when you heal, you hurt, but you work through that hurt and then you're like free mm-hmm. and it's joyful and peaceful and worthy. And it's just to have a woman, maybe someone at your kid's school, you don't get the response or exchange that you're hoping for and to not care or give it two thoughts and just be like, Oh, she's not my person and move on is like, it's worth all it's maybe, maybe we should think of a different word than work. Cause work kind of sounds like daunting. It's just transformative. I, I can't think of another word for I think work. It's a commitment to growth. There were moments of joy and celebration and triumphs over this, this year of real dedication mm-hmm. yeah. to you know, growing the years before that were head down, hustling, working as hard as I could on my business mm-hmm. last year by integrating this healing for myself, my business quadrupled mm-hmm. and this year it will quadruple again. 
because I'm making that shift energetically, but all through the work, the moments of success and moments of joy. I, I had a friend say to me, I've known each other for over 10 years. She's like, you're honestly more beautiful today than the day I met you. And I was like, seriously, she's like, yeah, you're, you just radiate. And it's like, oh, okay. The joy is showing through. And this is right smack in the middle of all the hard work of last year. She could see it, you know? I know so. it's true. I just was doing a coaching session before we hopped on this call and I allowed her to ask me, it was our first session together. So I was like, yeah, ask me. She had a list of questions and you could feel she like really wanted to get those questions out. And I said, absolutely. Like, go ahead. Let me, and it was all business minded. Yeah, let's do it. And then at the end, she's like, we're doing more sessions. So it's like, yes, but we're also going to work on our inner self and our energy because my business, yes, I've been able to scale it and grow it, but it wasn't until I worked on my energetic self that it really started to take off in a positive way. So I said, so we are going to bring some of that work into our calls. And she was like, yes. Okay. And I was like, so it's not going to just be like fire a question. I'm going to give you an answer. It's the energy that lets you really catapult past the grind. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's always challenges, always. It's never going to end. My challenge now is to put my face on social media. I don't put my face on social media on my business at all. I don't, I've never done a story. I've never done a reel. I rarely post a picture of myself. And it came to me last night during my energy healing session that people like me for who I am. Mm -hmm. There's no expectation for me to show up in any other way than just myself being totally real. And it's a blank canvas. I can do whatever I want. There's no expectation. It's not like I'm always the lady who talks about, you know, cat food. It's like, no, I, I can do whatever I want, but I, we will see how this challenge goes over this next month with me putting myself out there and being okay with potentially being disliked or criticism or no, no likes, maybe no, nobody even likes me. Hard for me. So I was off social media for three years. And then when I started this podcast and everything, I opened up another account and I'm posting pictures of just me. Like, oh, that is ugh, like vomit. That is so not me. When I was on social media, it wasn't even about my face. It was my family. And now I'm posting stories. I'm talking to a camera. I'm sharing things. It's so out of my comfort zone. And my block that I'm working through right now is like, how many people saw it? How many people liked it? How come I'm not reaching more people? Because it's tying back to my self-worth. If I'm not generating an audience or people don't care about what I'm saying, am I even worthy? So that's what I'm working through with the social media. But I get what you're saying. It's so such a bizarre concept to put yourself out there and show your face. And the other thing someone said to me, um, she's kind of helping me like under, it's actually my hairdresser and I love her, but she has a big social media presence. She's like, Jesse, you need to post the video and hit send and move on. Cause I'm like, I'm re-recording the same video five times. She's like, no, like just throw yourself out there. But it is so... It's so hard. Like we're never, yeah, I haven't arrived. Like I'm not, 
totally. I found you because you work with speech pathologists and I needed a website, right? That's how we originally connected. It wasn't even about anything we're talking about right now. And I thought, oh, she's great. She's going to make me a beautiful site. She's made other beautiful sites. Great. Awesome. And you did, you made me a beautiful site, but then I don't remember what conversation it was. We started, we realized we connect on this level and we talk these terms. And then you started showing more of like who you are, not just like, this is what I do for my job. And I was like, oh my God, I love with her. Like she's incredible. So letting that part of you show, like, it'll be amazing. Cause once I like got down to like, know more of like what drives you and fuels you. And I mean, that's when it got like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think for me, I walk the walk, you know, there's nothing that I'm talking about or sharing. I'm not, I, I do my best not to should on people. You should, you should, you should. It's what has worked for me. This has been my experience, but I'm not spouting off a bunch of stuff that I don't know anything about. Right. This, you know, comes from the, the, the journey I've been on. I mean, yeah. to grow a successful business to do this as I'm still a a single mom, I have a co-parent, you know, I'm a, I'm a single parent under one roof. I have a co-parent, but the responsibility is mine, mostly mine. You know, I I take care of grace more. I, you know, all of that. I just think about those nights when they're up all night or they're sick and there's no one to roll over and be like your turn. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, the thing is talk about boundaries. I had a home office and the, I had no off switch with work. Um, moving into an office has allowed me to be a mom at home and a business owner at work. And that has been a tremendous help in terms of boundaries at home, but you're right. It's calling that in. I'm calling in enough action going on with the new business. I'm really trying to put out there in the, the podcast that I, it makes sense for me to get an additional space. Like I have that for my clinic, but all of this I do in my home and like, I can see a messy bed to the left of me and that really ruins my vibe. Yeah, no, I get it. It's because there's not, there's not a separation between the things. I think I'm really excited. I mean, it's, what is it? It's January of 2023. Like where we're going to sit at the end of this year in December and look back, have you written a letter to yourself about everything you accomplished? I did it like a week and a half ago. Don't you feel like there's some, like, there's like a very good energy to this year. Like it feels very like calm and positive. And, um, I don't want to say hopeful, but just like, cause I don't think it's hope. Like I just have this knowing that like, this is going to be a very transformative year. I feel like there's like the right people in my life that I've connected with. Um, I feel really passionate about my new path. Yeah. I, I, I get it. Yeah. I did write a letter to my, it's going to be exciting. Like five pages long. Well, when I lived in Portland, I made this big list of everything I like to do and, and wanted to do in my life. And when I moved into the house I'm in right now in Kansas, this is in about a, a little over a year ago, I found it and I pulled it out and I looked at it and no joke, everything was on there. And then I found this little jar that sits by the side of my bed where I wrote this note to myself. I'm debt-free. I run a successful business, a couple other things. And I found it and I opened it and there was like my wish and what I had called into the universe. And it was all true. So these things are true sometimes. And it's the surrender because I wrote these, I believed them. I called it in, but I let go. And then I find these things. I'm like, Oh, look at that. It did. It did. Our, Our house right now. I forgot. I wrote the letter 
And we ended up in our home very serendipitous. Like it wasn't even on my radar of homes that I was looking at because I just felt like it was completely outside of like the neighborhood we would live in, the area we would live in. When we were moving, I opened the box. I kept the letter in completely unaware that I had written this letter. And it was like, holy shit, I'm in that. Like I wrote the neighborhood down. I like, there's a few things like I don't have a swimming pool and I put that on there. But I mean, I called in this house hundred percent and I didn't even when you don't remember you wrote something that is surrender. Yeah. Right? Actually, I just buried something in my front yard and I, I couldn't even tell you what I wrote on it. And this was like two weeks ago, um, surrendering to the universe to call yeah. in. So yeah. we'll see. I think, I think so, I'll be talking to you from my, you know, my forever home with my chickens. I don't think I know I will be because I saw, I had a vision of it. My dream. And especially now everyone's talking about the price of eggs. There's <laughs> your money maker. <laughs> totally. It's my side hustle. <laughs> the eggs. I've right. always wanted a chicken cooper and an HOA. So we can't have one where we live, yeah. but my girlfriend got one and I'm just like, show me your chickens. Yeah. It's going to be a good year. It's awesome. Okay. So Hannah, we went over an hour and we didn't even get to like what I usually talk about on these podcasts, but this has been like just everything. I love our conversation. We can, you can come back and we'll talk about, we'll probably try to talk about something else, but we'll talk about this again. But, um, I love it. And I'm so excited to continue to work with you and to watch your year unfold. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yes. Thank you for having me. Okay. We'll talk really soon. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please rate, review, and follow along on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find out more about me at www.jessieblois.com and follow along at Facebook at jessieblois or on Instagram at at jessieblois. See you again next week with another great episode.